How hard did you push it? Till I black out? Yes. Numerous times, yes. This is Big C and Ashton. We are back. Portland series, even though this is Corvallis, about an hour and 20 minutes, hour and a half <laughs> south of Portland. But um, because your boy now lives in Salem, Oregon, which is about 50 minutes south of Portland, this is one of this is probably my home track. So I had to bring Ashton out there. This is also um, Ashton actually was out there for a graduation for his girlfriend's brother's um, graduation at Oregon State. This is actually the Oregon State uh, home track. So this is actually owned, operated by the uh, by the university. So it it's a fun one. Uh, what, what were your first thoughts going to the graduation, kind of getting a peek and then stepping out there? Yeah, well, it's funny you mentioned that because you always love to talk about a peekaboo. And when we landed at Portland, they they lost our they thought they lost our bags. And by the time we got home, uh, it was about one a.m. and we were like up and out the door at seven. So essentially, like you know, running on no sleep. I'm like nervous about kind of meeting her family or, or spending more time with her family. Um, you know, there's just kind of a lot going on and kind of sleeping on the way there. But I did wake up in time to, you know, basically you get to the golf course and you hang a left and that's kind of where you go and park for uh, the event, which is the football stadium. Uh, and the second I kind of saw, I, I saw the netting from kind of a hundred yards away and I started to rubberneck. Um, and the first thing that I noticed was, uh, at least from the kind of when you're pulling in or kind of where the, where the highway is, I noticed that there was not a lot of trees. You've kind of talked about it being um, kind of a big ballpark, uh, not a lot of trees. I think you definitely get some trees in some parts of the of the course, but that's the first thing I noticed, which of course I had not played yet at the other places which we've already discussed. But I think what's interesting about this is I really liked Tristing Tree. We'll kind of talk more about this, obviously, kind of our, our, our stack ranking towards the end, but very different from the courses we played, right? I mean, Stone Creek, it's open. Like we talked about, we're kind of hitting in and out of the woods, but the woods are a really big part of it. Tristing Tree, you know, again, there's some trees, but you're not really hitting in and out of the woods at all, um, which also I think we'll, we'll get to this, but uh, means that on a kind of blustery day like we had, Wind is a very, very big consideration. But uh, the, the the lack of trees is the first thing I noticed from the car. And that's kind of where the wind comes into play because there's nothing keeping it out of the course. So, you know, other than some of the back back nine holes and maybe one hole on on the front, you you deal with trees. But there there really isn't a lot to deal with out there. But little little insight on on the course here. Uh, Tristing Tree, uh, by definition, was actually a tree that uh, people that went to Oregon State used to go and become friendly at, which I thought was, they, they put it kind of nicely there. Basically, it was a sex tree. And so the golf course was named after a tree that Oregon State, uh, um, uh, Oregon State members and people attending the college would go and basically have sex. So I thought that was pretty hysterical uh, that the golf course was named after that. And I guess the original tree was torn down many, many years ago, and they took a little, little, you know, cut off the tree and replanted it. And I guess there's there's baby Tristan still out on the golf course. Yeah, I mean, it, it feels, you know, I feel like we've been watching, you know, the the U.S. Open and kind of understanding the crests and the squirrels and kind of you know, all the stuff that goes into kind of private golf courses and their names. But it feels very fitting that for a public golf ca- public golf podcast at a public golf course, it's a sex tree. I will say one thing I was a little bit disappointed after we learned this kind of when we were done. Uh, they didn't lead into it at all on the merch front. Granted, I don't know what I would want them to have done. Uh, but it definitely doesn't kind of, 
it's something that, that you know they're not kind of yelling and screaming about but i think if we have you know do this fucking podcast the what they want you guys to know it's that you know it's a great golf course dan hickson redesign but Tristan Tree's sex tree. Should they should they do condoms with the the Tristan Tree logo on them? Something. Well, I was more thinking like you know like if they did like kind of like the the Stanford tree, like the cartoon tree, like with a condom like over it, you know, and it's like this like kind of cartoon tree, like a condom, and it's got its arms raised or something. <laughs> um, I don't know. I mean, that that's maybe a bit too much, but that what we really got to do is work. connect them with our our good friend Maddie Brown, like you know PGA Merchandiser of the Year, and be like Maddie. They need, they Help need them make to do like a, a slightly logo. classy version of a sex tree that they can put all over merch. Because look, if they could do it in a subtle way, right? I'm like, yo, sign sign me the fuck up for that shit. Yeah, I think I think there's many things that could be had with that. I think they they need to fully embellish their history and yeah. and really lean into it. I think it would it would draw a lot of people out there. Yeah. This has nothing to do with a, a, a sex tree, but thinking about, you know, bodies and bodies moving as we're recording this, where I have the uh, 42nd U.S. Senior Open on. And uh, I, I got to say, watching these guys, like, they, none of them can squat down to look at putts. <laughs> like, I'm just watching. I've, I've, I haven't really watched much senior tour golf, but it just makes me realize that we need to be walking more, stretching more because <laughs> I mean, P- Padre Harrington, it looks like he is like, he, he cannot squat down. It's like a catcher who's like 42 years old. So this is a very weird segue, but just a reminder as you're listening to this podcast, do a little stretching because <laughs> these guys can't even look down to, to read their putts. And as I pointed out to Chris earlier, I'm not trying to make fun of Colin Montgomery. I know that he's always, you know, there's been, I think the, 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 the quote was that people used to call him Mrs. Mrs. Doubtfire, I think, which is tough. Uh, but if you haven't, go look at a picture of what Colin Montgomery looks like these days. I know in Shotgun's Art, they've talked about how Colin really loves Mountain Dew. He looks like someone who loves Mountain Dew. It was like, Chris, you got to stop fucking drinking soda. That's what I'm saying. Don't fuck it. We, we can't get you walking around Bandon. Well, there you go. You're drinking a beer. That that's totally fine. Even that's totally you know discretionary and arbitrary. Um, yeah, call call my like a tough scene. But I didn't have any comments about that, Chris. But I just had to. It just, another one, Jerry Kelly. He can't he can't squat down to look at this putt. They all need His the Lee, doing it. They all need the Lee Westwood um, ping fetch putter where the ball gets where the club actually fits in the cup to take the ball out for him. Every Amazing. guy on the senior tour should be playing that putter. Amazing. Well, Chris, I'm curious, like, I mean, I know you have like your lists and all this stuff around how you find courses, but how did Tristan Tree kind of come on your radar first? Because I, I imagine before you moved to Salem, like, had you played it before? Is this new because you're down there? Like, how did this come onto your radar? So a while back, I had the privilege to play the Stanford golf course. And ever since then, I, I know Stanford's not public. Um, I, I, had a friend who actually got me on to go play with him. And ever since then, I kind of was like, I wonder how many college courses are public. And so I started University doing... of Georgia, baby. Super good. I'm, I can't wait to do that with you at some point, take you to UGA and then go to a game. Cause it's so good. But yeah, yeah. It's, I love when a course, a, a school has a public course. I can't, I can't wait to get out there and play that. That's on the list, but I basically created, you know, me and my Google Maps, um, I created a map of all the public um, university courses in the country. And um, some of them are affiliate courses that the universities either practice at or utilize. They're not all like actually owned, operated or like taken care of by the universities. So... The, the list was pretty big. I mean, 100, 100 plus plus courses and Oregon State was one of them that was on the list. And when we bought our house in Salem, I realized like, well, Corvallis is only about 25 minutes south of me, 30 minutes tops. And there's not a lot of great public golf in Salem, to be 100% honest. I mean, we've got Salem Golf Club, which is okay oga is probably the other closest one which is about 30 minutes north of me there's just it's not a 
it's not a really, you know, hotbed of, of public golf. And this was probably when I went out there and played for the first time, I was like, okay, this is going to be the course that I'm probably going to play the most because it's close to my house and the conditions are very good. The course designed by Dan Hickson is, is very, very well done, but I, I'm not going to give it a high rating. Like it would be a good solid seven out of 10 for me, you know, and, and that's more to do with the course conditions and, and uh, playability and how fast it is. I mean, that would probably be where I'd, I'd get in there a little bit more, but yeah, I, that's kind of how I came across it. And I'm really stoked about it. I still need to get down to Emerald Valley where that's the kind of affiliate course for the university of Oregon, but they're pretty much the only two courses that are affiliated with, with uh, universities out here. So. Yeah, no, it was great, man. I mean, we'll, we'll kind of dive into our, um, you know, our, our kind of three favorite holes a piece, but I mean, I think for kind of some general motifs for people, um, I mean, again, we'll kind of talk about, I mean, I don't even know how important stack ranking is, but selfishly, I, I kind of liked Stone Creek more simply because again, I, I kind of said, I feel like a golden tea a game of golden tea in a positive way. Um, I think Tristan Tree, to your point, Chris, was was super fun because of the playability. And, and I think the other component, too, is the length because, you know, I've talked about how I'm trying to, like, play it back. And I'm not one of those people, like, who's like, I have to play the golf course from the longest component. But it does make me more interested to play, of course, I think it's like 68 or 69 from where I played. Ooh. Yeah, but also like that suddenly becomes a lot more doable when the court there's not trees everywhere. It's like, yo, like you're gonna hit driver and you need to hit driver and you need to hit it down there, or else you just shouldn't play these tees, right? Uh, but lots of options. So I think it's a very different test than Stone Creek, but especially on a golf trip like this where you're trying to, you know, well, I'm not trying to play. You know, I want to get a vibe of Portland golf, which this is objectively not. Uh, but do want to get a good sense of kind of like what are the different, you know, to see different styles. And, and man, like this could not have been any more different from Stone Creek in a very good and fun and kind of pleasing way, right? Yeah, I, and that's the big difference between Stone Creek and Tristan. I think Tristan's a little bit more of a sleepy, sleepy golf course. It's not as busy as Stone Creek is for the most part. So it's it's mainly locals in Corvallis and and students that go to Oregon State to play this course. So every time I've gone out there to play, it's been sub four hours. I think we played in three and a half when we went out went out there and played. I mean, it was quick, and and that's one thing that I that I love about it. And then again, course conditions. It's actually taken care of by the agronomy team at Oregon state. So it's students that are basically like taking care of the golf course. And I think that's killer. I think that's more schools should create golf agronomy. And I think you were telling me while we were out playing that um, you were telling me about kind of the agronomy program at, at Georgia. Yeah. I mean, obviously if I could go back, I'm not even saying necessarily that I would want to do agronomy, maybe, uh, at this point, but if I could go back and be an 18 year old, yeah, because the way it is at UGA is it technically falls underneath the landscape architecture school, which also kind of sweet UGA has a landscape architecture school, uh, but it's a five year program. Um, so, you know, ideally they'd love for you to kind of make that decision as early as possible. Cause even if you de declare from day one, you're going to be there an extra year. And yeah, I believe I was told that you have one of two options uh, as kind of your quote unquote senior thesis. And it's either to work uh, on the golf course or the football stadium. I'd have to imagine that the football stadium is viewed as like probably more, more appetizing, more appealing, um, but at the same time, I think like looking back, it's like, man, if I had done that, I just would have spent a ton of time at the golf course. But, you know, I, I love and appreciate golf much more now than I did when I was 19 years old, um, which again is sad, but I'm still happy that I, I found it. But yeah, no, UGA has got a, a wonderful kind of landscape architecture school and you can take care of the golf course. So it's a lot. I actually remember the mowers and stuff. It's a lot of kids who are my age out there on, on mowers, which is kind of cool. And the UGA course I don't think it was ever corn fairy, but they used to have a web.com tour, um, which I'm going to butcher this because I used to write for the, the school newspaper, the red and black. 
Um, I think right after he graduated, either Harris English or Hudson Swafford won the thing. Um, you know, and of course I got to write the, I actually looked through my phone yesterday. I have uh, coach hack. Um, he's the UGA's golf coach. I still have coach Hack's cell phone number. Cause I called him once to ask him about, uh, something. So that's neither here nor there, but yes, the UGA course is wonderful. Uh, and cared for by students, which is cool, right? Because I think that it's not just like people punching a clock, which is totally fine, but it's people who are like, cool, like they're really, really taking pride in their work. And you can definitely see it at Tristan Tree. I mean, the, the conditions are just fantastic. Yeah, I, that's that's one thing I love is that the conditions are, I've never seen it in bad shape. And again, I've only been playing it for about three months now, but um it, it's always been immaculate and it drains really well they've got a lot of ashton got to see it these like makeshift lakes that get created out there after heavy rain and not good it, it's not good for just because it is a wide open course and usually it's dry and you could play out of these areas but it also allows the course to drain into specific yeah, locations totally. And I say not good, but that's just me being a baby. Like, like there's one hole that I'll talk about that, like, when the water is there, it basically kind of messes up what the hole is supposed to be. But overall, it's not that bad because, like, look, there's still going to be huge places to miss. And I think even if you hit it in there, you can probably just yank it out because, like, that's sta- that's technically standing water. It's not technically even a standing water. Yeah. It's not a hazard. So nope. it's like just be a big boy and just yank it out of there and hit your next shot. Whatever. Yep. And, there, and there's so much room to miss. Except for a couple holes, like one of the ones you'll talk to, there is so much room to miss at this golf course. Yeah, like insane room to miss. What's going on over there? Killed, killed a spider <laughs> that just came down from the ceiling and landed right on my computer. That was sick. Amazing. We get people getting the real time, real time big C in the new home, killing spiders, murdering spiders. <laughs> but let's get into let's get into our favorite holes. Yeah, well, let me lead off because you know I think we talked about not doing too many of these, but I'll lead us off with number one. Um, I think what I think again what we're kind of talking about. We talked about the Stone Creek. I really like holes that either set the tone for like what is about to happen. I think I really like when kind of the, those holes that kind of you get a good sense of what's about to happen. And I think number one is just a really good example of like, hey, this is what this golf course is, right? Like you basically get up there and wherever whatever tees you are, orient you directly at the green. The flag that day was right in the middle. And there were, yeah, I mean, I think I actually ended up pretty close to a tree on the left because I kind of hit this like, like cut over there but the point is you kind of look at this and you're like okay like this hole's kind of long it's like you know probably for me from the back tees like well over 400 yards like like 430 i think uh it was into the wind um you know there is stuff right and left but pretty far both directions um and it just really kind of says hey this is what this golf course is going to look like um also kind of shout out to them again, going back to the, the greens piece, Chris was like, Oh yeah, these, cause we had, didn't have time to putt. So Chris was like, Oh, these are going to be slow. And I get up there and just smash it. I think I had, I should, I putted it like, I had like a 40 foot putt and putted it probably 20, 25 feet past the hole. So got up there and it was like, Oh wow, this is, these are actually much quicker. So again, number one's not a hole you're going to look at and be like, Holy cow. But I think that when you step on number one at Tristing tree, you're going to get a really good sense for cool. It's going to be a lot of this today. And again, not every hole is perfectly straight, but the whole idea of open plenty of room to hit it, you know, that's kind of what the whole theme for the entire day is. Yeah. And in talking about the greens, the reason I, they, we had a lot of rain in the last like two, three weeks leading up to that round. And when I've gone out there and played, they've been fairly slow, but I forgot that they had a junior, am like tournament out there that wednesday before we played so they must have been really really rolling them out and like dialing them in because they were a good two to three stints faster than than i remembered the week before so yeah they, they definitely had them dialed and they, they were rolling pure 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 i mean they were rolling fantastic not absurdly fast i mean no but, I, but fast I, enough I made Fast you guys enough. think it was going to be like a six. <laughs> yeah. 
which was really cool, you know, of Chris, because we've been playing these kind of ongoing matches. And when I three putt for bogey and he wins the first hole, that's, uh, you know, it's like Zach not telling me not to driver. It's like, it's fine. It's fine. Peck, peck, peck. You know, he's want to get off on a, on a good start. So that's fine, Chris. Don't you worry. And we should mention, too, uh, you know, it, it was $55 for me to walk with a push cart. So, I mean, again, we're talking about an extremely reasonable rate um, Saturday on Saturday. Prime time, too. Yeah. Well, and of course, it was actually running ahead of schedule. We checked in like 15 minutes ahead of our tea time, and he was yeah. like, You can just go whenever you want. We're like, Wait, What? Y'all seem very busy, like, and they're just running ahead of schedule. So, again, all good things. Uh, Chris, your first hole, number five. Tell me about number five. So, number five is um, the longest hole that you you see on the front on the front nine. Um, really cool, like S shaped hole. So, off the tee box, you're kind of hitting into basically. It looks like a dog leg left. But it then the the hole then whips around back right, so it creates this really interesting way of like approaching your tee shot, because you can take the left corner, cut over these shorter trees, that'll then you know, and they're really minuscule trees; they're not really anything to think about. But you can kind of cut that corner and and give yourself a nice look at the green. But you have plenty of room on the right hand side if you do miss uh, to be able to you know, still be in the fairway and have a decent approach shot. It just kind of cuts your line to the green if you're too far right. So it, it kind of gives you multiple ways. It is a fairly long hole. I mean, from my tees alone, it's 525. From Ashton's, it would be 560. So, I mean, I've seen Ashton pump a drive pretty deep. And so you, if you're a longer hitter, even from the back tees, it it sounds nuts, but it is kind of gettable uh, on your second shot. Uh, from 525, I actually rolled up a three-wood last time I played prior to Ashton coming out uh, to basically like a foot onto the green. And so even for a shorter hitter like myself, it's gettable into you can give yourself the opportunity to kind of eagle, you know, very easily birdie that hole. But I, I do think if you miss too far left, you're kind of in bone zone. If you miss too far right, your angle to the green is nearly impossible. So you're going to have to kind of lay up back into the fairway and then hit it in. But I just think it's a really fun, interesting hole. You know, gives you gives you a lot of versatility with, with the way you play. Yeah, and I know you said this, Chris, but, like, again, I think one of the appeals and why I think it's a great course for you to play frequently is it all depends on the wind, like you said. I mean, on that day, the wind was not helping us. I hammered a driver, hit a 230-yard hybrid, and then had 112 yards in, and then just kind of missed the green with my wedge because the wind shipped it on and two-putted and walked off with a six, and I was like, didn't really hit a bad shot there. Like, <laughs> it's just a really, really, really long hole, but I could tell from, as you said, the wind is kind of helping and coming from the back. Like, that hole becomes much more good. But again, if it's a course you're going to play frequently, you get to kind of see it from all winds, all perspectives, which is uh, great and really allowing kind of the, the the conditions to really drive what's going on. So definitely think five is a great hole. Um, my next hole uh, is number 10. Um, it's interesting because it's actually, now that I kind of think about this, it's actually a pretty strong juxtaposition to number one. I mentioned how I like number one because it's straight and open and gives really kind of that sense of what the course is going to be. Uh, 10 is one where if you had not been there, I don't really know what I would have done. I mean, I guess I could have obviously clicked the tree and kind of figured out how far it was, but it's a pretty strong dog leg to the right. Uh, you actually, it's nothing crazy, but there's definitely kind of a quote unquote force carry with water. Um, and it's a really kind of just disorienting hole because it's pointing you, the tee box is pointing you towards the fairway, but the fairway again is kind of moving aggressively to the right. And I think as you said, Chris, correctly, like you also cannot go to the right. So like if you decide to hit a cut or I kind of pull it, uh, there actually is water, not, and not standing water, like hazard water, um, over on the right side. Uh, again, similar to what we're talking about it being open, there's actually a lot of room left. There's a lot of room long. So if you just don't, you know, if you just don't hit it in that one spot, you should be fine. Uh, but, uh, you know, that green, even though I had a, hit a really good drive and I think I had a wedge in, 
you know, there was still, you know, with the wind, I believe I, I kind of in between clubs airmailed the green and actually had a pretty tough chip. So I think again, where so much of the course is right in front of you and the challenges are other places, uh, 10 was good just because, you know, you kind of, you stop and grab your, you know, your hot dog in your case or your white claw and you kind of make the turn, you walk and you get up there and go, Oh, like this isn't like a handshake number 10. It's like, where is this? Where am I aiming? What's going on here? What club do I hit? Uh, and I kind of like when it does that where 10 not just like an immediate kind of like, okay, welcome to the back nine. It's like, okay, you got to kind of think and have a little bit of experience here and hit the right club to make a, a good score, you know? Yeah. And, and for me, the aim point is always just like bash it as far as you can left uh, towards the 17th green. And like, that's just the best play. If you try, for a guy like me, who's not super long, trying to cut the tree is not the play because you're going to most likely, you know, hit it short into the tree or you're going to hit it into the water on the right-hand side. So but There's also no advantage. No. I, mean, like, I, I, I picked a relatively conservative line and hit a really, you know, like, what do they say, conservative line, aggressive swing, and I had 112 yards in. Like... 112 versus 80, like there's no reason to go farther right no. there. You're not going to be rewarded anymore by doing no, that. The one thing at Tristan Tree, which they they change this depending on if they're hosting tournaments or not, but for the most part, you know, on everyday play, they keep the rough extremely low. Like it's like your backyard grass that your dad had growing up. Like it, it's it's there. There's some thickness to it, but it's, it's not like grabbing balls, you know, hard to find, you know, it's just a little bit to kind of differ the, the green or the fairways to the rough. So your ball is going to roll out. You're also most likely going to have a pretty good lie to be able to get a good shot out of the rough. And that's one thing I really like playing here as well as you're not going to lose balls. You're not going to have really tough, thick, rough, like shots. It's again, very easy for the everyday man to come out and play and, and have a good time without really getting beat to shit. Yeah, no, 10, 10 was great. Um, and 10, I think if you're looking at the the map, 10 really kind of goes around more of like the peripheral of the property, uh, kind of like Harding park. Now that we think about it, like the front nine is kind of very like in, kind of in the middle and then, uh, kind of goes around. So you get a definitely a different feel. And some of the holes we'll talk about too. Like you actually feel very kind of like when you get to like 14 and 15, um, you're literally as far away from the clubhouse as, as is possible. So it really gets kind of a, a lot of movement there. Um, but Chris, you also highlighted, uh, to take us back a second, number eight. Um, what do you like about number eight? So number eight for me, number eight's a really good hole because it, I mean, for not some of the reasons I normally pick a hole, I, I think it's very visually pleasing. And I think that's why I like number eight. It's not necessarily based on the architectural, um, you know, situation of the course, which I think architecturally they designed it really pretty. And, and it's the way it shapes the actual golf course is really great. It, it's got a river on the right-hand side, which kind of gives you no room to miss at all, right? Because all your balls are going to go right down into the river there's a big tree that's about 230 to 40 out kind of like in the middle left hand side of the of the hole and it it's pretty large and eats up balls but as Ashton found out you can kind of miss super well like left if you really want to play it left into um you know the other two holes that are over there it'll give you a pretty open look left into the green, um, which isn't a, a line that I ever thought of uh, just because of my length. But for someone like Ashton or like our buddy JD or, you know, some of the long players that we play with, it actually isn't a horrible line to kind of go. You can kind of avoid all the trouble on the right-hand side and the tree and kind of go around it and play it there. But 
for me, it's more of just hitting, you know, driver, hoping that, you know, it carries right at 240, 250, ducks under the tree and kicks out and rolls. What I do love about this uh, fairway is it's kind of like a mogul fairway. So, like, it, it's not flat at all. It literally looks like moguls on a on a uh, ski slope. It's really cool. So you have no clue where your ball's going to bounce. It's kind of like a, you know, situational thing where depending upon where, where it lands is going to depend on where it ends up. And I think it's really fun. Uh, it's just well-designed hole. And I think the green might be one of the best greens on the, on the course. It's probably one of the largest has the most uh, architecturally pleasing undulation within the holes. Um, and I just think, it's just a well-designed hole. More architecturally pleasing and, and pleasing to die than it is like a super, super like yeah. planned out hole. Well, I mean, again, I think the idea of it is, is good. I think the problem is the execution is like once you get up there, you clearly realize that because even with your length, if you aim it way left, like literally into the middle of seven fairway, I think if I had like a good drive way left, I'd have like 112 yards and it'd be unobstructed. Like, I don't know why I picked 112, but the point is you probably have like a, a at the most a pitching wise in your hand with a clear line where like i i kind of like skied my hybrid a little bit and then i had like a punch five iron and i it like wasn't great like basically i, I you know I was, I was trying to get up and down from 80 yards for par but at the same time i mean this is i'm not trying to sound like i'm rory mcelroy but the issue though is you're on a public course and like there are people right there. So it's like, I think one of the issues, I'm, I'm sort of glad people don't do this because just selfishly, I think people just like trying to smash driver into the other fairway. could actually be a huge kind of liability and like you can really hurt people that way. So again, I think if you're out there in a vacuum and you're like, what is the ideal situation? You just hammer it left. Um, but yeah, to your point, Chris, I mean, it, it's with Tristan Chi again, being so wide open, it's another hole that just commands like, cool, dude, you, you don't, you can't hit this again forgetting that you can wash away left the way the hole is designed. It's meant you got to kind of thread the needle and hit a real golf shot. Um, which again, I think is a refreshing change of pace, even though we both love kind of the open design. It's nice to get up there and be like, cool, hit it 240 with like 15 yards of dispersion. That's all you got. You got to do that or else you're not going to be able to score. You know, so, it gives you a nice mix within the, within the openness. Yeah, definitely. Um, and then my last hole is uh, is number fourteen. So Chris, I believe you told me, and you, know, you can kind of validate me. Uh, fourteen and fifteen were holes that you said they kind of took from. The, there was the agriculture school, I think you said. Yeah, they took the, the land for those when Dan Hickson redid it. Um, and it definitely feels that way because it's it's obviously in the same vein of kind of a lot of of Trissing Tree, uh, but at the same time, it's like they feel out of place, but in a good way, like, it's like, Oh, like there's literally nothing out there. Like, you know, there's, you kind of look out there and it looks like a field because it's a field. It used to be a field. <laughs> and then on 15, there's, you know, again, like you can see like plants, like it's clear that this was a, it was an addition. Uh, but I think 15 or I think 14 and really 15 too, just a really, really good hole. So similar idea. Um, Really going to depend on the wind. I absolutely torpedoed a driver right down the middle. Uh, and it looked like pretty far in. And, the, and there actually is like a kind of a stand of trees in between the two. So it's weird. It's really open off the tee. You can literally hit it anywhere. And even down that you can really hit it in there. But the only time it really comes into play is like, if, like I, think, I think I had like 209 in. It's like, cool, man, if you want to get on the screen, you need to fly these trees, which you can definitely do with a hybrid in your hand, right? Uh, but I sort of like how it's both open and also asking you to do something if you want to kind of have the risk reward there. Um, and, I, and, you know, that little kind of subtle movement to the right where you cannot see the pin basically until you're like, you, know, you kind of really get up there to your ball. Uh, but again, if you want to just play it smart and, you know, kind of just hit a seven iron up there and have a wedge in your hand, you're probably not going to make worse than five. But it, it's just kind of interesting because, again, the rest of the course feels very similar. 
Uh, and he thought the holes are of the same design. Uh, it's just kind of nice. You, you just feel like you're way out there. And I sort of like that feeling of kind of feeling isolated. And you're not surrounded by anybody else because really the only people around you would be people on 15. You'll probably, you know, be up in the middle of the fairway. So it's a very kind of quiet piece of the property um, that I just sort of really kind of like. It's how I imagine abandoned trails. I know that's a kind of a reach, but when we do play abandoned trails, I've just heard it's kind of like a walk in the woods. And this kind of very much feels that way, uh, kind of because you're just way out there on the piece of property. So I really, really liked 14. Yeah, 14 is great. And those two holes had to be added because uh, when Dan came in to do the redesign, the, the real reason was because they, they wanted to have a larger draw for the Oregon State golf program. And one thing that was happening kind of across the country is the state-of-the-art practice facilities. And that was one thing that Tristing Tree was kind of lacking. You know, they, they do have a great grass driving range, but they didn't really have the their own accessibility to a really proper practice facility for the golf programs. So they took two holes out of the front that basically you would have saw while you're driving into the golf course right off the road. And they built this beautiful green chipping area uh, with like multitude of different bunkering and, and styles that they would kind of see across the country while traveling and playing as a golf program. And then added their own side of the driving range with this like rollable cover that can, they can kind of roll in and out so they could practice in the rain or practice in the, in the heat of the summer. And it's just a wonderful uh, addition, especially for the golf program. And I, I will say I didn't get a chance to play the golf course prior to the redesign in 2017, but they, it's a mixed review from the locals that I've, I've played. Some guys love the new holes that they've added. Some guys are really pissed off and want back the, the holes that, that existed originally, but it, it's kind of a toss up. It's, you know, one or the other. I, I mean, just, this is, you know, having only seen it one way, the, the way it is feels excellent. Because, again, it's only the Oregon State players. But, man, that – like we were kind of driving by that facility being like, if it could get a lot better, if you if you spend a lot of time out there. Um, and, and, yeah, no, I, I – <laughs> it does not surprise me that some old guys would be angry about that. But And it's been um, every person that told me that they missed the old one is, like, over 60. So. Yeah. Which again, to be clear, this is preparing everybody for next week's podcast. <laughs> we are not ageists. We're not assholes. Like we're, we don't hate old people. We have grandparents who we love dearly. It's a little teaser for next week. Um, but it does not surprise me that people, you know, over over a certain age would, would want would want the golf course a specific way that they had played. But, yeah. Because I realized we've kind of we literally discussed you know offline. Uh, we did the last pod, how we really never pick one or 18. And I realized I picked one and you picked 18. So yep. maybe it's Tristan Tree. Maybe it's just tonight. I don't know. We're doing this on a Friday when, you know, people are getting wild and crazy and we're sitting here recording a podcast. Uh, but tell me about 18, which don't think I'll say remarkably like nine. If you like, if you like 18, you really like nine too. Yeah. Well, in so what I like about um, Tristan Tree is – it's scorable coming in and it's scorable walking off. And I love courses like that because for match play or for any time you're like playing against a buddy, it is, that's what you want. Because if the match gets left up to the final hole, you want someone to be making a mistake. You don't want to be left on this extraordinarily long par five. That's just like, mundane and like it it, it doesn't create a challenge you want something where it's like okay this hole is a bit of a handshake but if you blow it left on this hole good luck you're going to be down this ravine behind some trees it's going to be a shit show down there but if you play it smart and you hit it anywhere right you're going to have a tough shot in unless you're in the middle of the fairway because there's a bunker right to a sloping green that has multiple tiers. 
And if the hole is playing up on the second tier, fucking good luck. If it's playing down, you can shoot it long of the hole and it'll actually come back down into this kind of front, like half shaped bowl that they have kind of on the front right of the green that it's just, I think it's a great match play style golf course. And, and I think that's what 18 gives you is a wonderful hole that, that gives you, you know, a scoreability factor that um, really allows, you know, somebody to take a match by, by somebody else making a mistake. Yeah, totally. This is not meant to flex on you. Our match is over by the time we got to 18, but I, I definitely know what you mean. And also, too, the fact that, like, you had kind of seen the hole before, like, honestly, because 9 and 18 are very similar. Um, yeah, it, it's just, it, it's it, it's a really different, obviously, than kind of number one, but I do think it's interesting that, like, the fact I just also process, you know, one, 10, and ipso facto, you know, nine and 18, like the fact that the bookends of kind of the nines are, are memorable, it's a really good sign of a golf course. And I think one thing we've also talked about, you know, before I press record, the par fours are, are fine. But what's really good, I think, about this place is the par fives and the par threes are all memorable and actually pretty tough, um, which I think is great because, I mean, you know, I love, you know, we love a short par four, of course, if you can make it interesting, awesome. But like the par fives and par threes all specifically stand out. And again, from the tees I was playing, like, you know, number four, for example, I hit my 230 yard club and it was 30 yard short because the wind and like number 17, I like hammered my like 205 yard hybrid from like 185 in the wind. And like, it, it just is, is requiring you to hit some like real golf shots, right? I, I love a short par three as well. And we saw at the US Open how a short par three can expose people, but the par fives and the par threes are, are really memorable. But professional segue here, Chris, a hole that is not memorable or maybe memorable for the wrong ways for you. Uh, number 16. 16, for me, it's just... It's a chintzy ass fucking hole. Like, so off the tee, you're dealing with this bottlenecking of trees kind of that narrows the fairway to a point where you just have to either lay it back that get in, allow yourself, you know, space to hit through there, or you have to hit an incredible golf shot to kind of, you know, work your way into that opening. And then your second shot, if you're too far back, you're now dealing with this like rough ravine that kind of dips down and then dips back up that just gobbles up balls. If you hit anything short or try to lay up and then you've got this, you know, downhill like or uphill kind of issue out of rough to get onto the green. I just, I don't like the, the discontinuation of the, uh, of the fairway from from that sector to the green i it's just it's not a well-designed hole i think that should be all fairway and it should be allowed to be ran out and it, it would make a much more playable playable hole and there's water and trees all on the right hand side so you really i mean in trees that run all the way along the left hand side i mean you do not have it's very claustrophobic it's very narrow down and I get it. There's got to be some challenging holes out there, but I just think that this could have been done much better. I don't mind the trees left and right. I don't mind the bottlenecking. The big thing that I hate is that separation of fairway to green that has that rough dip that just collects balls. Yeah. I mean, now that I think about it, it's actually like, it's basically a very extended version of number eight, right? Claustrophobic Creek on the right trees playing a big role uh, which again is a very strong juxtaposition to the rest of the course but it's interesting that like you know you, I don't know like it's it, it, I think it's more just ironic to me that you like 8 but don't like 16 because it's shorter two... and playable where this one's extraordinarily yeah. long par 5 and it just create you like you can't hit past the trouble if you wanted to yeah it's true no it, it, it's true yeah I mean it, it's definitely one we were just trying to like play target golf and get out of there with the five, which that's yeah. not a really fun par five. There's no risk reward. There's no like real strategy. Cause even for me, I mean, I, I hit a, a bad hybrid and like almost lost my mind for a second. 
and I wasn't even penalized. Yeah. I was like, oh, okay, wow. Like I didn't even like, I thought that was going to be awful and I wasn't even penalized. So, um, and then my least favorite hole was number three. Um, it's just the, like the limitation of the land, I guess. Uh, number three is like directly adjacent to the, uh, the driving range. Uh, and, and the way the tee box is oriented, it points you kind of like right at the driving range. And then Chris was like, oh, you can go way far to the right. But then in that right area, it was like a bunch of standing water. And so my body just sort of like flinched. Um, and I hit it into the driving range, which apparently, which is a free drop, which is also kind of a tough scene as well. It's just, yeah, it's local, that it's local just like, rule. It is a man-made structure. If you hit a ball into the range, it, it, it's, it's kind of like. It's like if anybody's watched the PGA Tour where there's a sight line for the players that that hit straight into the grandstands, that's what this is. Like hit it as hard as you fucking can into the range and you'll have a shot from there and no issue. Yeah. So again, I think like the, and after that, the, the, the approach shot on the green, there's nothing really memorable. I mean, I think what's kind of interesting is, you know, you're, you're kind of, when you're standing on the green, you're looking at, um, you know, the, the green we're talking about where the OSU players practice, there's the high right there. So, you know, I guess cars are watching, but it's just a pretty snoozy hole. It's orienting you in the wrong direction. You get further away from the fucking car path. Water's collecting over on the right side. It's a very like flat green. It's just, there's a lot of kind of cool, interesting holes. And number three sort of like make, you know, blow it left or right. Doesn't really, you're going to get relief from the water. You're going to get relief from the fucking, you know, from the uh, driving range. Just make your four and get out of there. And there's a lot of really good holes and that's just not one of them. It's, it's, now that I think about it, it's probably the worst design hole on on the course. Yeah. It's just yeah. I, I, I mean, I think what they should do honestly is just like make the tee box, orient the tee box a little bit to the right. And actually, would be even cool is like because basically where that water funnels. I mean, I guess it'd be a, potentially be a drainage issue, but you could almost do like two fairways or have a kind of the ball roll down there, and then you're kind of like like a low fairway and a high fairway. But it's just orienting people away from the um the driving range it's just that simple i don't know yeah i I think that's a good good plan because i mean if you could figure out the drainage because it does look like that's kind of a catch basin for water when it's super rainy but i think having those dual fairways and having two different ways of attacking the hole would make that a much more interesting play yeah totally well, before we get out of here, Chris, I know I mentioned uh, kind of a kind of a, a quick stack rank for the courses that we've played on this trip that we kind of reviewed. Uh, so that's Chehalem, uh, Stone Creek, and, and Tristan Tree. Well, what's your order? Well, for me, it would be a little biased. I mean, I would I would play Tristan Tree, Stone Creek, and Chehalem would be the furthest like. If I could put four more courses in front of Chehalem Glen, yeah, I would. I, I, I hear you. Yeah. I mean, I think the way I'd put it is my favorite and probably the best course that we played was Stone Creek. The most playable, um, you know, and sort of like regardless of your golf game, you're still going to have fun is is Tristan Tree. And then, yeah, I mean, I think the hard part is like in a vacuum, Chehalem, especially the front nine is like, that's really good. But when you play the other two, it's sort of like, you know, Maybe Chehalem kind of stinks. It doesn't stink. That's too aggressive. But uh, I think the other two are a cut above. And again, for very, very different reasons. Like if people are coming out of town like me looking for affordable golf, again, Stone Creek, like if you got 40 hours in town, you know, you, you play Stone Creek in the evening for 32 bucks. You wake up, you drive down to Corvallis, you play um, Tristan Tree for 55 bucks. You're talking about, you know, $90 for these two golf courses that are going to feel incredibly different. That's a hell of a 48 hours in, in kind of the Oregon. I was going to say in the Portland area, but then I, Corvallis is we'll not just Portland. Review, you know we're we'll, saying. we'll say the Portland Pacific Northwest. No, Portland adjacent. No, we're not. We're not doing the Andy from Shotgun Start, where like he calls, he calls San, San Francisco, Francisco Northwest. Yeah. No, he calls the Pacific Northwest or Central California. It's we're not doing that shit. Like Portland adjacent. Like you can you could drive from the airport to Corvallis and not be like bone zone. Like that's a realistic thing you could yeah. do. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Chris, thank you for hosting me, man. Like I said, so wonderful to kind of see your house, see your life. Um, and just, you know, you've, 
you've talked to me a lot. We've talked a lot. I've had these discussions about kind of Portland and Oregon golf. And, you know, I think, again, the big summary is the floor is super high, uh, very affordable. And uh, I know there's a lot of other places like Langdon Farms and East Moreland that, you know, we'll kind of check off here. Uh, hopefully, you know, pretty soon coming back in August, they'll have as much flexibility. But starting the next couple of years here, there's a lot of places to kind of beat up. And I appreciate you showing me around. Yeah. And, and stay tuned. We're, we're not doing a full deep dive review of the golf course, but next week <laughs> there, there will be, we got our, our boy, Brian Mace guest, guest uh, hosting popular with me. Demand. Back, back by, by popular, popular demand. He was probably the most, I, I, no shade to any other guests that we've had, all of our boys that have been on, but Brian definitely has gotten the most DMs and like outreach of how great he was as a, as a co-host for one episode I did with him. So, you know, really excited to have him on. We're going to do kind of, it's going to be kind of story time with, with B and C. So, um, this might be a good one to like, you know, not listen to kids in the car. Maybe yes. I'm guessing I wasn't on this one. Oh, tons of swearing in this one. Definitely don't listen to with any kids around or any, uh, virgin ears. You definitely want to, uh, parental. We even said this at the beginning, we should probably like on this dates us, but on CDs, when they had parental oh, yeah, explicit advisory, content. explicit content, it's- we might need to throw one up on the on this pod and, and let people know do, that this is explicit. Do you remember your first explicit content CD you ever bought? I remember mine. Oh, that it's I, actually probably still my favorite hip hop album of all time. That I ever the first one that I ever bought. Yeah. Oh, it was the Bad Boys soundtrack. Oh with hell Julio yeah! Julio on it. Shake a tail feather. That, that was no, the, no, the was original one. Dun, 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 in gangsters paradise that one yeah original original bad boys shake your tail feather that was in, that was the second or third bad boys yeah yeah oh no you see that the bad really... boys come in can't stop now gotta continue my running yep yeah no, okay, he's great except for the fact that except for the fact that he's from fucking st louis but that's a whole nother podcast we can do sorry any listeners in st louis uh, but yeah, that's a, but yeah, a tough scene. Listen up to that episode as well. It's going to be a great one. It's actually more of a story time. A little bit of golf involved, but fantastic, funny-ass story to tell. Yeah, like like what Wildwood we brought up just as being the, them being classy, wonderful individuals, but it's really not about the golf. It's not about Wildwood. It's not about the golf course. It's not about any of that. Uh, it's about something else. So again, just to give you a little taste, we're not ageist. We're not, we're not, not ageist, ageist so. but tune in. <laughs> Okay, Big C. Go enjoy your Friday night, man. I'll talk to you soon, okay? Bye, buddy. Peace. Bye.